fly around. Little green peas from the ground. Buttermilk biscuits, nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop 'em black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. Today, we are setting the table with hot pepper sprinklings, spicy honey almond butter, and Tennessee-raised Waku beef. We visit with Allison and Chris Verdon, the Tennessee couple who created Old Verdon's Tennessee Pepper Company, our friend Mary Constantine, the happily retired former food writer for the Knoxville News Sentinel, shares a recipe for spicy honey almond butter, and in Fred Sossman's Potluck Radio series, he visits Ron Hawkins, who produces Wagyu beef on his farm, Hawk Nest Farms, in Limestone, Tennessee. I really appreciate your good company here today, and I want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Our first guests are Allison and Chris Verdon, the Tennessee couple who created Old Verdon's Tennessee Pepper Company. I think this is a great story of a Tennessee couple who worked really hard over the years, and now their product is found on shelves in all sorts of grocery stores all over the state of Tennessee and throughout the United States. They do not financially support this show. I featured them today because this is an inspirational story about quality, value-added Tennessee product, hard work, and innovation, and I hope you'll find this inspirational. In the first part of our interview, we'll hear from Allison and Chris and how Chris came up with his idea and went on his mission to create a perfect blend of five different chili peppers. You know, I've always been a look at things and figure out what I could do to improve it or how I'd do it differently or, Mm -hmm. you know, that's just kind of you know my personality so throughout our relationship and my whole life I've always come up with ideas like you know I had this idea for a thing that buttered movie popcorn evenly throughout the bag (laughs) and so I'd come to Alice and I'd be like I've got this idea for the butter 5000 and she'd be like no you know so I've always come up with these ideas so I came up with the pepper flake idea and I was like you know there's just not there's not a better version of this and millions of people use this every day 
and there's just not a good version of it. And she's yeah. like, that's a good idea. You should do that. And all of a sudden, I was like, what? We were managing Lecomte Lodge, and we did that for 12 years, um, the hiking lodge in the Smokies. Part of my job was cooking, and I cooked for the crew. I cooked for the guests. Um, you know, Chris did breakfast, but I mainly did lunch and dinner. And that was part of my fun was creating, um, you know, getting to experiment with, with the meals for the, for the crew. Um, one season, we had a crew who absolutely loved hot sauce. And at one point in time, next to my stove on the shelf where I kept all my spices and everything, there was probably about seven or eight bottles of hot sauce, and they were all open. It's all different. And I was, I was like, me not always, I don't always add hot sauce to my food. So I didn't like, I was like, why are there so many bottles of hot sauce open? I don't understand. And they were like, oh, well, this one goes best with eggs, and this one goes best on rice, and this one goes on pizza, and this one... So they all had their certain hot sauces they use for certain food items. It was like eight hot sauce sommeliers. <laughs> right. So I kept, um, I had taken um, a beer six-pack holder and put the bottles of hot sauce in there and made like a little hot sauce caddy. Yeah. And so every, every dinner we would bring the hot sauce caddy out to the table. And so we were eating pizza one night. And instead of the hot sauce caddy, out came the jar of red pepper flakes. And that's when Chris... Chris's big idea. Yeah, well, it just, it struck me as weird that, you know, there is a million different hot sauces and, and mayonnaise and ketchup and all that, but you only see that generic jar of crushed red peppers. So it, that really struck me as like, well, that, there surely there must be a better version of this. So when we would come down off the mountain on our days off, you know, we'd go to the grocery store and she'd be shopping and I'd run over to the spice aisle and I'd look and I'm like, you know, there was a million spice mixes, but, you know, they always had, like, anti-caking agent or salt or sugar or, you know, all this other stuff. And they'd have peppers in it, and they'd be spicy, but it would have, you know, 30 ingredients or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so... And then you had the red pepper flakes. And then, yeah. Which you never, when you, when you research that to find out what peppers are in there, it's usually whatever the cheapest at the time. So it could be some chili peppers. There's also red, uh, bell, pepper. red, red bell peppers. Ancho pepper. You never know exactly what peppers are in there. Or if they're from China, or it's just kind of this bulk. And that's why it just says red peppers or chili peppers. You know, so it, it could be, and sometimes like maybe a better version just might be just cayenne pepper or, or something like that. And it would probably say if that's exactly what it was. But a lot of times it just says red pepper flake. Mm-hmm. And so you just don't know. So I was looking at it and and then I'd go further into the spice aisle and sometimes you'd see like ancho powder or, you know, maybe occasionally I've seen like crushed habanero. So I was like, hmm, okay. Well, there isn't one. So then, then the next thing is I hiked down off the mountain on days off and... I drove into Knoxville, and I went to every grocery store, every Asian market, every Mexican market I could find, and I just bought all the peppers I could find. So I came home with like it was pretty. I was pretty surprised. It was like eighteen or twenty different types of peppers, and I borrowed my friend's Excalibur dehydrator, and I sliced them all up and, and put them in there and just dried them all. And um, so that was my first time ever dehydrating something. And, and I was just blown away by like, you know, how good they smelled and, you know, how spicy they were. And so I called a friend of mine over and I ordered a cheese pizza and he got a six pack of beer and, 
you know, I crushed them all up in our little coffee grinder and I had them all out on the table and we just started trying them all individually. And I was floored. Like, it was just, I just couldn't believe it, you know? I mean, I guess it would be like, you know, having, you know, like elementary school square pizza and then having a brick oven pizza, you know, it's like, wow, this stuff's really good. And (laughs) then that's kind of how peppers were. And so, well, you don't you don't think about red pepper flakes. I mean, think about coffee and all the different types of coffee and how they taste different and the flavor profiles. The same thing with peppers. Mm-hmm. And I think pe- people don't realize. Yes, there's jalapenos and there's serranos and habaneros, that kind of thing. And then there's the really hot one that everybody wants to be the brave guy and eat. You know, but they don't think about <laughs> that. The, they don't think about the flavor profile yeah. of the peppers. Yeah. And so when we when we went to create the recipe. You know, and people talk all the, they come by our booth and they're like, oh, I grow my own peppers. I've got so many at home. I can just do that at home. It's oh. Like, yes, but you know what? <laughs> and it's like it's more power recipe. to you. Right, I know sure. It but yeah. it's, it's a blend. And our product is going to taste the same every time you pick it up. You know what you're getting, just like you do with any of your favorite hot sauces. Mm-hmm. Minus the sugar, minus the salt, minus the vinegar, mm-hmm. all the additives, preservatives. Yeah, it's just, it's just one ingredient. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I like sriracha and, you know, all these other hot sauces. But, you know, they've got all these extra ingredients. And if you're just looking to add, like, a spicy kick to your meal and add a little flavor to it, do you really need all that other stuff when you could just do it with just one thing? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that, like, you know, Michael Pollan and all these other people who are talking about food trends and stuff like that, I think people want like the most natural unmessed with type of food and by just drying peppers and you know maybe mixing a couple different types of peppers you're getting this big flavor but but that's it like it's it's totally you are listening to the tennessee farm table podcast and broadcast and we are visiting today with allison and chris verdon and we've heard their story about how they started Old Verdon's Tennessee Pepper Company. In the second part of our visit, we'll hear where they source their peppers, how they market this product, and how it is not at all easy to get a new product on grocery store shelves, and the health benefits of hot peppers. So, sourcing your peppers, um, where do they come from? So... We get some of our peppers from the farmer's market, from local farmers there. And then um, when we first got started, we got a lot of our peppers from a produce wholesaler here in Knoxville. And then... Who who gets a lot of their peppers from different farmers around the area during the growing season. Oh, good. So we, we weren't... We knew that some of them, whereas we didn't have the connection to the farm as we do now, um, we did know that we had about four or five different farmers, some in Dayton, Tennessee as well, mm-hmm. um, that they were coming from. So... So probably primarily based East Tennessee agricultural product. Deer, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's being during the growing season. Mm-hmm. Our problem being so small is that we couldn't do, you know, I mean, you look at a company like Sriracha or Tabasco. Tabasco grows its own peppers. Mm-hmm. Sriracha sources their peppers from one farm, and they do it all during the growing season, and they have it to last for the season. Us not being set up <laughs> like that, we didn't have the funds to be able to to buy peppers and have them for all the whole winter. Mm-hmm. So they were also sourcing peppers from Florida, California during the winter season, mm-hmm. the first, I guess the first two winters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
now that we were able to, um, we were connected to a gentleman, a farmer out in Granger County. Um, and right now, I joke because I say we sold a trailer, but we did that so that we could stockpile peppers, you know, to get us through the winter. Oh, good, and so yeah. that we can say, I mean, we're, we're going to run out of some peppers and we will have to source them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's a goal for us is to, as, as we grow, to not have to do that, to be able to source everything locally um, mm-hmm. during the growing season. I mean, we'd, I, we'd love for our product, you know, to be an all Tennessee product. You Absolutely. Know, and, and people to associate that with, you know, if they picked it up in California or something and said, you know, made and grown in Tennessee, I think that would be a real source of right. pride for the two of us. You just got to, if you got to really believe in your idea, you got to just do it. Yeah. You know. If you waited until you had the perfect amount of money or found someone to back it or, I mean, you'd number one, be waiting for a while or you might not ever do it. Yes, you do. <laughs> Coming off the mountain, we started two businesses in one year. I mean, we're working three jobs. So he's working at Knox Whiskey Works as a third job and I help out at the salvage shop, the Knox Heritage Salvage Shop, trying, mm. to, trying to just make it all work. Yeah. Mm. And we just didn't realize, you know, when we came up with the idea of, you know, selling pepper flakes and... You know, our goal was to get in all these grocery stores. We had no clue, like, how hard it is to get on a shelf. Yeah. And, and so, how long it took. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any concept of that. And that is me pushing and calling, 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 you know, doing whatever we have to do. I mean, it's... I mean, it, it is a... You know, I mean, and I don't think people realize, like, when they go into a market or a grocery store, but you look around and you don't... There's no empty space. It's not like you go into a neighborhood and you're like, oh, there's a lot. We could put a house there. Everything's full. So if you've got a product, whether it's barbecue sauce or salad dressing or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's got to go for you or condense, or condense mm-hmm. for you to have room. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's they don't give up that space easily, especially if it's an already established company. And, mm-hmm. and I think people are risk adverse. Like, you know, you come up with you know, something like our product, which is, you know, a new, like people don't think about different pepper flakes other than what's on regular tables. And so, you know, you meet a grocery buyer and they kind of look at it and scratch their head and they're like, "Mm, I don't know. Well, they ask, where would you put it? So the toss up is spices or condiment. Yeah, or a sauce. And we mark it as an alternative to hot sauce. So Uh, we're kind of trying to, we're kind of making our own category. So we would like ideally like to see people argue about different styles of barbecue. I would like it to be where people say, oh, I don't use hot sauce, I just use pepper flakes. And eventually we'd like to have like a blend of like Southwestern peppers or Asian peppers or smoked peppers or sweet and spicy peppers, like a whole category of just dried peppers. Because when you dry peppers, you're keeping all that flavor in the pepper. Whereas when you make sauce, you take the peppers, you soak them in vinegar, you're losing all the fragrance of the pepper. And, you know, basically you're, you know, you're not eating a whole pepper anymore. So Mm -hmm. it's like a whole serving of vegetables in dried pepper (laughs) flakes. I mean, really. Really? You're going to that, is that pushing it? Is well, that like, that's well, pushing it just a right, exactly. but, but It's only 42% sugar. Yeah. But when you think about it, like our smallest <laughs> right. bottle right. Is, is a pound of peppers. Like that's how many peppers go into. Just like all dehydrated and condensed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, does it retain the nutritive value by dehydration? Yeah, I mean, because all you're taking out is the water. Well, and then you have all the capsaicin. Yeah. People say that it, you know, it as far as like arthritis and, 
you know, joint pain and stuff like that. It's been known to... Finds inflammation. It's good for heart disease. Good for digestion. You know, it's antibacterial. I mean, that's why you see, you know, areas where, you know, it's really hot, like in, you know, Asia and Central America and stuff like that. They have a tradition of spicy food. And I think a big part of that is natural. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, super good for you. And and so Mm -hmm. when we started this, um, I didn't realize that there were, you know, this big group of people who couldn't have any sugar or couldn't have any salt or we didn't know. think about it yeah. I mean, you know it's out there mm-hmm. but and then when you started looking they're like yeah i can't eat hot sauce because every one of them has salt or or all this other stuff mm-hmm. and it's like i like spicy stuff mm. but you know and they're like your stuff's great you know it for me it's like you know now i can add some spicy stuff to my eggs and i'm not you know i'm trying to keep my blood pressure down or mm-hmm. you know and so That's that a good thing. became yeah. a big thing we for hit a market us. we didn't even know we were going to hit yeah. and then you've <laughs> yeah. got the paleo <laughs> diet and all mm-hmm. that other stuff whole 30 whole 30 and mm-hmm. you know all this other stuff and so people it's kind of funny like we'll be working the booth at the farmers market and people will be like well does it have this and we're like no it's just peppers i'm like Unless you're allergic to peppers, you can eat it. (laughs) (laughs) What's so good about this, and why I'm so glad to be able to share this story with everybody, is that you're a young couple with a great idea using agricultural products pretty much here from Tennessee, and you're doing a really great job on your small business. And it's so wonderful to be able to tell this good story and hopefully have people connect with you and just thank you so much for telling your story and being on my show today. Thanks thank for having you. us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, and we have been visiting today with Allison and Chris Verdon, and they are the couple that created Old Verdon's Tennessee Pepper Company. Their products can be found in a wide variety of retail outlets at major grocery stores all over the state of Tennessee and across the country in states such as New York, Virginia, Alabama, Georgia, Wisconsin, California, Texas, and as far off as Canada. And again, they do not financially support this show. I just really think it's a great story of a Tennessee couple who made it work. I hope you enjoyed this story of a really interesting couple with a good idea, a quality Tennessee value-added product made from regionally sourced peppers, and a demonstration of how their hard work is paid off. And I've placed a link to their website where they also have some really good recipes, along with links to all of the guests on today's show at TennesseeFarmTable.com. And now it's time for Mary D.D. Constantine. She's that Basset Hound-loving, grandbaby-chasing, happily retired former food writer for the Knoxville News Sentinel. It's amazing to watch beekeepers gather their honey. 
They get all dressed up in that protective garb. They grab a beehive smoker to ward off the worker beans. And then they remove the supers that are heavy with honey. It's an art form of such that's risky, but oh, so sweet with reward. Sadly, beekeepers are seeing their harvest dwindle year after year. Local beekeeper Doug Slocum said his harvest was down approximately 1,300 pounds from a couple of years ago. And a recent report stated that 70% of the state's honeybee population has been lost over the winter. The cause of this reduction is attributed to everything from mites to the use of pesticides. The reality is, if we continue to lose our honeybee population, what will pollinate our fruits and vegetables? I don't have all the answers, but I do have a more profound awareness of the importance that tiny bee hovering over the dandelion has on my food. If you're a lover of honey, I urge you to consider the weed killers and other pesticides that you might be using on your lawn and shrubs. In the meantime, this recipe for chipotle almond butter will provide a sweet diversion from my otherwise dreary message. To make it, you need two cups of almonds, unsalted preferred, one teaspoon of chipotle powder, a half a teaspoon of salt, and three tablespoons of honey. Now, add the two cups of almonds to your food processor, and you have to process it for literally 10 to 15 minutes until you get the smoothness that you prefer. Scrape down the sides as you go. Add the chipotle powder and the salt and process a little bit longer. Then remove the nut butter from the food processor bowl and stir in the honey by hand. More salt if needed. This makes wonderful sandwiches, but it's even better on saltine crackers. This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table. This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Saussman. I'm Ron Hawkins, Hawkness Farm, which is located in the southern end of Washington County, Tennessee. Ron Hawkins sells Wagyu beef. We talked to Ron at the Farmer's Market in Jonesboro, Tennessee. I was an inspector for the International Atomic Energy Agency, and Japan was my country to be inspected. So in my trips to Japan checking their reactors, I got introduced to their beef. Their Wagyu beef. I actually uh, started out with a Wagyu bull and uh, put them on my Angus cows, brought the bull from Idaho, had him shipped in, then brought a heifer from Montana, had her shipped in, now gradually building the purity of my herd to now I have the full blood, the highest quality Japanese cattle on, on the ground. Wagyu were developed by the government of Japan. They spent over five billion dollars doing everything they could to develop the beef. They even tell you what type of wood you put in your trailer to haul them to the market. I sell about 23 different cuts. I try to take advantage of the whole animal. I get for the tongue, the, I get the organ meats. Steaks definitely are their best seller. Uh, the roasts are a good seller. There's things that I didn't even know existed in the animal, like uh, the tri-tip roast. When we pulled it out, it turned out to be one of the best roasts and most desirable. I've also been trying to get the beef in for all the farm-to-table dinners. I worked with a lot of chefs, and the chefs all told me don't over-season the meat. Salt and pepper are the only thing that should be added to Wagyu beef. The meat's so perfect, anything else detracts. For me, and for the experience I'm getting at the market, the best thing that works is just slow cooking. You don't actually need to sear it. 
For Potluck Radio, visiting with Wagyu beef farmer Ron Hawkins at the Farmer's Market in Jonesboro, Tennessee, I'm Fred Saussman. This is Rick Riddle, uh, the winery at Seven Springs Farm, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.